0: Hey, it's Claire Edwards, and you're listening to your Best Foot Forward podcast. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, I welcome you, and I hope you stay a while as this is a podcast where my guests and I share tangible tools and unique perspectives to putting your best foot forward in your life in your passions, in your self-care, in your moments of anxiety, and so much more. And if this is not your first time listening, thank you for allowing me to continually show up in your cars, during your workouts, and during the long walks with your dog. So my guest today is Rachel Peavy, who is a money healer, trained yoga teacher, and entrepreneur. Rachel is a money healer in her business, Blissful Budget, where she marries the practical with the soulful to help her clients create a positive relationship with money. I loved getting to chat with Rachel and I had so many questions for her as we talked about our relationship with money, the scarcity mindset we have, money as energy, money education, communicating to others about it becoming an entrepreneur, our sense of security that we get from money, and so much more. Rachel has such a unique perspective on money, so I hope you guys find this conversation as enjoyable as I did. So I will see you at the end. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome.
1: Thanks for asking me.
0: Yeah. When I um I've been wanting to have someone on to talk about money for a long time now. So mm-hmm. when I came across your name and heard you on some other podcast, I was like, Rachel is perfect to talk about this. Oh,
1: thank you. Thanks so much.
0: Um oh. so when I saw that your title or what you call yourself is a money healer. Mm -hmm. That really intrigued me. Can you kind of explain that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, money healer, I talk a lot about how everybody has a money story. And so oftentimes, you know, when we're having... um, issues around money or just confusion around money, there's usually a pattern that we're stuck in and there's usually some sort of story that goes along with that. And so really when I work with my clients, I'm trying to help them heal those patterns and heal those stories because I've said it, I say it to everybody, but like I can make you a million budget spreadsheets and help you with that practical stuff. But if we don't heal, those underlying stories and move through those underlying patterns. Nothing's really going to change.
0: Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah. So, what is like some of those underlying stories that you see that you feel like, all right, we got to work through this, and then we can work on this next thing.
1: Hmm. Um. Probably the biggest I see is like the story that there's not enough that there is I don't have enough money or I'm not bringing in enough money um or just feeling like there's not enough um and so I just, that one is really common and it's funny because it doesn't matter how much money they have in their bank account. Like it's just this feeling. And oftentimes that can come from, maybe you grew up without a lot of money. And so, you know, you're coming into the adult world kind of with that mindset of like, oh, there's not enough to go around. Or, I mean, you could have grown up really wealthy, but then you hit the, hit the world <laughs> new and, you know, maybe your parents aren't supporting you anymore. And it's like, Oh God, there's not, how do I do this? So Mm -hmm. it can kind of show up in a lot of different ways.
0: Okay. So you work with your clients to Mm -hmm. really work on healing that story and moving to a more positive place, you would say?
1: Yeah, definitely. So with any story, you know, it's really, I try to get to the root of, um, what is the truth? like, where are we actually? So, you know, let's look and see, all right, is there enough? And where's the evidence in your life that there is enough? And not just in money, either, you know, we can feel lack in a lot of places, but oftentimes, like, we feel it in our wallets. So it's sort of like, All right. Where are we really not feeling like there's enough? Is it is it really in our wallet or is there something else going on as well? So, yeah, we try to really identify it and name it. And oftentimes just like naming what that fear is can really help. And then looking at the evidence of like, okay, I'm actually making a pretty good salary. Maybe I can be spending my money better or saving more or, you know, whatever that that habit change needs to be.
0: Okay, so you help people kind of take that like new perspective that they don't really yeah. see for themselves necessarily.
1: Definitely, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so your role as a money healer in the business you started, Blissful Budget, can mm-hmm. you kind of talk about that and like your approach to mm-hmm. your clients?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm also a trained yoga teacher. And so, and then my other life was in PR and marketing. Um, So when I went through yoga teacher training, it really changed my life. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that. And I joke that like everybody should go through yoga teacher training. But um, a lot of the philosophy in yoga, I, you know, started to think about like, okay, well, how can I apply that to my life? But then also, how do I apply that to my life, like my material life and with money? Um, and I have a lot of friends who are yoga teachers and a lot of friends who are kind of in the creative world. And, um, you know, they're all very right brained thinkers. So they're very creative, but they don't really have like the practical left brain spreadsheet stuff. And I, I do, and I've always kind of liked working spreadsheets and managing budgets and I do it for our family and um, so I hadn't really seen a whole lot of people out there who marry the two and I think a lot of the financial gurus like the really popular ones they're just looking at numbers they're not really looking at feelings and a lot of them will will say like well you have to get out of debt and you have to eat ramen noodles and peanut butter sandwiches until you do so and never leave your house and I just don't think that's sustainable for a lot of people, so I really wanted to marry kind of the soulful with the practical in my business. So that's how we got to the little budget.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so—that's a really cool journey. And I think you're right; where a lot of people are not looking at it that way—they're looking at the numbers, they're looking at how can I get out of debt, and not necessarily like the feeling. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always, you know, like I mentioned, there's always more going on than just there's debt or there's, you know, or I don't know how much I should be saving. There's always, we all have patterns that we get into and we all have habits that we create with money. And so it's seeing, it's creating those healthy habits and those healthy patterns. You know, other things we'll do, we'll do journal practices and other kind of, um, mantra or, or mindset kind of, um, strategy, if you will. So I really try to personalize it to my client and and what they're going after. And then like you mentioned, yeah, we'll build a budget. That's a big part of it. And and look at what's coming in and what's going out and um, where we can find spending. And one other thing I forgot to mention, like a big part of what we do um, together with clients is um, something I like to call your bliss list. So I do a meditation with clients to kind of get them back to that, like a place when they were really happy or people that really made them happy or activities that they really enjoy. Like what are those essential things that really bring you happiness and that really bring you joy and that really make you feel good? And then what we'll do is look at, okay, are you incorporating those things into your budget or are you supporting those things in your budget? And are there things in your budget that aren't on this list that maybe aren't really bringing you joy or happiness or bliss. And can you stop putting your money energy, you know, towards that area? Cause I think that's a really big thing too. And I know, especially when I was young and just out of college, I felt a lot of pressure to spend money on things, like go to the bars with friends and to, you know, buy expensive clothes or bags just to kind of keep up appearances. And that, that didn't bring me happiness. I have friends who you know, loved their Louis Vuitton. But, you know, it was like, okay, well, I'm putting all this money towards these things that I don't really like that I feel kind of pressured to buy. Um, So I think that's such a huge part of it. And a lot of us do it without even thinking about it. We're just spending money to spend money. And it's not really going towards something that that really aligns with our true selves and brings us happiness.
0: Yeah, I think that's I can relate to that so much in terms of like, it's so easy to mindlessly be like oh yeah I'm gonna spend this on these things but are they actually making me happy are these activities making me happy um and that's cool that you get to have that conversation with the bliss list and the budget and putting them together
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's really powerful um and you know people are usually surprised when they see like oh well you know, these are the things. And then sometimes things come up that they haven't done in a long time. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I used to love horseback riding and I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? So sometimes you can even discover things that maybe you haven't been paying attention to because you've just been so focused on, you know, life. (laughs) So it's very powerful.
0: Um, Going back to kind of what you said about how, like when we're young and right out of college, it can be easy to not really know what to be doing with money I was thinking about this recently about how we don't really have a lot of education about money in school, whether that's high school or college, um, and so with everyone kind of starting like their own businesses right now and their online whatever, do you think that there we will start to be seeing more? Education on money in schools, or what? What do you think about all of that?
1: Uh, I wish there was more education around money in schools. I, I think it was like the nineteen fifties. They used to have home economics. Of course, it was really, it was um, really sexist at the time. But like, you think, okay, well, why aren't we teaching kids in school how to make a budget? Like, how to budget money for groceries and for entertainment and you know for mortgage and rent and all of that and um, yeah, I didn't have it either. I, I, I'm curious if there is anywhere in our country that does that. And so I would hope that, you know, eventually they would start incorporating that into schools again, or at least, you know, have a college class an elective you could take. Um, and maybe those do exist, but I really think it's going to be, Uh, entrepreneurs who are out there with those less with those classes and those lessons and you know folks who are in their 20s today like seeing that need that that niche that needs to be filled because um, it is so important and I know when I left school I was fortunate enough to leave without any student loan debt but I quickly racked up credit card debt when I entered the working world. And I was living in New York and, um, you know, going out every night and and living the fun lifestyle, you know, as a 20-something in New York. But I had no idea. Um, You know, I knew I was supposed to save money, but I didn't really think, like, I don't think I thought I would ever get old (laughs) and I was just sort of like, I'm going to live for the moment. And so I found myself in my late twenties in credit card debt and, and then like got with the program and started paying off debt and, um, saving more. And, uh, my sister kind of saved me and took me to a, she actually took me to a Dave Ramsey seminar. And so I started to learn like kind of basics around budgeting and, um, but he didn't really jive with me. Um, His kind of his view on, on money is great and his steps are all great. And I think, you know, there's, he's definitely helped a ton of people, but as I got older and, and as I did yoga teacher training, like I saw there was this other need for like, okay, well there's, there's the like the practical stuff, but then there's also kind of all this underlying stuff too, that, that needs healing and support.
0: No, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I do think it'll be like the 20 something generation that'll come up and be like, all right, we're, we're going to be teaching kids this because we didn't know this and they need to know this coming up. I, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, definitely. I hope so. I really hope so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need some, we need some help over here. That's, that's for sure. Like the other yeah. thing
1: is, um, we're taught not to talk about money. We're taught like don't, don't talk, talk about politics, don't talk about religion, and then, then don't ask people, people how much money they make. Yes. And then when we get into the working world, we're told not to tell people what we make. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is, is funny, because there have actually been a lot of like studies about salary transparency and how that would actually like help your workforce, but I think a lot of corporations are kind of scared of what would happen if they were transparent with how much they're paying people. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: It would be yeah. super interesting if they started, like, almost encouraging transparency or started doing that. Um, yeah, that it, it's in, I would be interested to look at those studies that say like, oh, it would actually help, mm-hmm. you know, your culture or, um, yeah, because we're taught not to talk about it at all. But it's like, how do we fix the things like equal pay for men and women? Like, how, how, I, do, we, how do we figure that out then?
1: Exactly. It's, you know, it's hard to do when we don't know, you know, what really what our colleagues are being paid. And, you know, I think what companies are scared of is um, having to pay everybody the same. But I feel like, you know, it will actually benefit them across the board and and kind of make it, I don't know, make it more consistent. Um, But I'm sure there are a lot of companies that would disagree with that. So.
0: (laughs) I I see it from both sides. I wonder if it'll start with, like, say, small businesses would start kind of that trend of, like, okay, like, we're going to be completely transparent about what each person is paid in the company, and maybe that would then trickle into corporate companies. I don't know, but... Yeah, I think we're a little bit I so. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know. I think so. Either that or, like, something radical would have to happen where, like, everybody just starts sharing
0: <laughs> Yeah, sees what
1: happens. But it would take some brave souls to <laughs> to do that, right? <laughs>
0: no, it's so true. But, no, but I kind of, I, I do, it's like, I want to make money a less taboo topic, and you're definitely doing that through yeah. your business, but it's, like, walking that line between being polite and being respectful and not being boastful and it's like where where is that sweet spot in there
1: right well I think it's important to um if you're an entrepreneur you're thinking about going out on your own or freelancing like it's really hard because because the topic is taboo it's hard to like reach out to another person and be like, okay, well, what are you charging? And I feel like the conversation in that space is getting a little more open and a little less taboo. Um, but yeah, it would be great if I could go to my friends and be like, Hey, I'm about to buy a house. This is, how much I might be paying for it. How much did you guys pay for your house and not have it be like weird or inappropriate to ask that, you know? Um, but I think like the more, I don't know, I think we can do it in subtle ways. And then, and then sort of like the more open we are, oftentimes people will be open too. So if we start talking about our, ourselves and our, you know, our businesses, not in a boastful way, but not like, Oh, I'm making, you know, six figures now, but like, you know, if we can kind of weave it into conversation where it's appropriate. Um, and I think that people will start to notice like, Oh, they're comfortable talking about it. And then they'll feel more comfortable talking about it too.
0: Have, um, has anybody or any of your clients come to you on help with like salary negotiation or anything like that?
1: Um, I work right now mostly with entrepreneurs, but I like, that's just how it's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have talked with them about like how to charge what they're worth or how to ask for what they're worth with clients. Um, i worked in the, you know, corporate world for 15 years though. So I definitely have that experience um, of, of making those negotiations. And so, um, you know, I will give that advice too. And my advice there is, um, and what has worked well for me is, you know, go in expecting them to say yes because I think often when you go in with a mindset that they're gonna say no that's how we present ourselves it's like oh can I have this you know it's not as confident Um, and then the other thing is always be armed with like why they should pay you more I would always come in with like here's everything I've done for you for the past year. So, but in, you know, I won't, I wouldn't say that, but I would have like, okay, here are my talking points of like, I've accomplished this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think that helps too, rather than just like, Hey, give me more money.
0: Right. <laughs> you, know? right. you gotta have some evidence behind it
1: here's why you should be paying me more. So. And then don't don't ever threaten to leave your job thinking you're going to get a raise. It never works. <laughs> I have seen that backfire on so many people who are like, "Oh, I have this other job offer. Will you pay me more?" And like 9 times out of 10 the company is going to say, "Bye. Have fun at your new job," you know. <laughs> so So even if you do have the other job offer, don't use that as your leverage. I'm sure people will disagree with me, but I've only seen it backfire with people in my experience.
0: (laughs) No, that's that's good advice and good perspective on it if you've seen it. So, I guess another question I have for you is when you made that transition from your 9-to-5 to starting your own business, that money aspect is huge in your mind. Mm-hmm. How did you get over that hurdle, or what would you say is your main thing that helped you actually take that plunge to starting your own business?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I love that you bring that up because money can sometimes keep us from doing things, and I probably wanted to, and probably should have jumped a lot earlier than I did. Um but I think what helped me was knowing how much risk I wanted to take. Um so and then knowing like okay well what would that amount, like what would that amount of money be to make me feel safe? Because, you know, that's something else with money. It's really tied to our sense of security and that can bring up like really primal feelings of like, if I don't have enough money, I'm not gonna be able to eat and I'm gonna die. (laughs) Like and so our body starts sending us these signals of like, this isn't safe. You're gonna leave your nice job and and be out on your own and you might not make money. So this might not be safe. So it's like, okay, well what amount what safety net you know, will make me feel safe? What amount of money will make me feel safe? And I think that's different for a lot of people. For me, it was having, um, six months of expenses saved up before I left my job. Um, and so I put like everything I had towards that so that I could, I could leave. Um, and then know that like, okay, well if I start my business and I don't get any clients, like I'll be fine for six months. Like I'm giving myself that amount of time. Um, but other people like are cool with a couple hundred dollars, and other people need a, like a year of expenses saved up. So it's really personal, um, and really just sort of um, depends on how much risk you're comfortable with. And there's not like a right or wrong amount. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: just depends on the person. Yeah, and that, yeah that's definitely. like a feel like that's only a question that you can answer yourself of how much risk am I willing to take on? Because not only is that the risk of money, but it's like also that internal stress.
1: Right, right. It creates like, it's that kind of like fight or flight feeling. It's like this very, um, like instinctual feeling when we, when we think we're not safe. And so, you know, that also, that also like that, instinctual feeling can also become thoughts and sometimes those negative thoughts you have around like, Oh, I'm not going to be successful. And I'm going to starve. It's like your body, your subconscious trying to keep you safe, like trying to keep you where you are. It's like, okay, right now I'm getting a steady paycheck. Um, but the reality is even if you have a nine to five job, nothing is guaranteed. So, you know, you could get fired or laid off or the company could close or whatever. And, um, but we have like this false sense of security around the nine to five that it feels safer than like being out on your own and being an entrepreneur. Um, so, you know, it's sort of that first step I think is figuring out that amount of money. And then it's just catching yourself when you get in those like scared thoughts and saying, just saying to yourself, like, it's okay, I'm safe. I'm going to be safe.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting that you brought up, like, how much security that we see in the nine to five, because now that you say that, like, a lot of that is out of your control mm-hmm. more than it is for when you're actually having your own business.
1: It's true. Um Like, the whole thing is out of your control getting hired. Like, all you can do is present yourself well in an interview and hope they hire you. And then, um, you know, even if you're the best employee ever, stuff happens to companies. And so, you know, when you are working for yourself, there is a lot of unknown factor, but you also get to control, like, you're accountable to yourself. So if you're not doing the work, then of course you're not going to make money. But if you're, you know, if you're working, um, chances are you're going to be successful. And, and even if you're, you're not at first, like there are other avenues to make money, um, as well. So like there, there's always a side hustle or there's always like the job at Starbucks to pay the bills while you're building this other business or, or whatever. Like there's always other ways to make money. Um, or you build your business while you're still at your 9 to 5 which is also a really great option for people of of kind of like okay well how big do I want my business to get before I feel comfortable like fully moving over to that and leaving behind the 9 to 5. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's such inter- that's so interesting. I, yeah. All that security of like and we look and but it's like we need security and money and we don't want to give security to money but right. like that's a I mean m- that's how we live. <laughs>
1: that's just the way it is. Exactly. I think it's, you know, realizing that like, cause I think we give a lot of our power to money and realizing that we, we have control over it. Like money is just currency. It's just an exchange of, of energy. It's that we've given this like, paper or digital form. Um, and we really, we really have the control and we really have the power over how we make our money, how we spend our money. Um, so I think that's where we get, you know, that's where we can sometimes get stuck is we give so much power over to money and we say, well, I can't do this because I don't have enough money, but you know, there. There are always ways to bring in money, and sometimes you do have enough money. It's just being savvy and moving things around. And I'm not um, very pro getting into credit card debt, but sometimes that is, like, necessary to, to do things as well. But I would not suggest that if you're moving from the 9 to 5 into entrepreneurship. I would say, like, my first choice would be for someone to save up money, like, save up whatever that safety net is for
0: them. No, that's So in terms of like all of your budgeting knowledge and all of your soulful knowledge on money, if you had to give one piece of advice to someone fresh out of school on how to go about money, what would you tell them?
1: I think the biggest piece of advice would be to start saving money now and start saving money for retirement now. And I feel like it's really hard to think about retirement when you're 22. Um, I know it was hard for me to think about that. And I had a lot of people like giving me this message and I don't think I started my 401k till maybe I was 25 so don't make my mistake. <laughs> um, and if you are 25 and you haven't started a 401k, like it's not too late. Don't beat yourself up. Um, if you're 35, it's not too late. I don't think it's ever too late to save. But anyway, I got on a tangent. But yeah, I would say start start saving money because you have time on your side when you're just getting out of college. And even if it's a little bit, like even if you don't have a ton of money to save, um, like just put you know, put 50 bucks a week or a month or, you know, whatever you can save away. And in some account that earns interest. Um, and then for your, your, retirement, I would say if you're going into the nine to five working world, most companies have a 401k. So take advantage of that. And if they have, if they offer a match, take advantage of that. Cause that's free money. Um, And, you know, just think of it as, like, you are taking care of future you. Like, you're doing something nice for yourself in the future. Um, It's like if you you come home from, like, hanging out with friends and you leave, like, water on your nightstand so when you wake up in the middle of the night there's water there. Like, it's that same thought of, like, taking care of future you, only it's, like, way in the future.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good way to look at it. And I don't think we realize it, especially our generation, because we're like, okay, I need immediate gratification of things. And like, we're like, okay, well I'm going to save this for, you know, 60 years down the road. And that just doesn't sit like super well with us, but it's hard. Yeah,
1: It's so hard and it's so hard because now everything is at our fingertips and there really is that instant gratification. And you think about like, your grandparents having to, like, and maybe even your parents, like, they probably, they your grandparents definitely didn't have online shopping. And so to buy something, they had to, like, purposefully leave their house and get in their car and drive somewhere and know what they were going to buy and where they were going to buy it. And, I mean, even, you know, with malls and stuff, like, you could go browse the mall, but there was still, like, you had to go physically somewhere and shop. And so, now like it's all right there and so there isn't like that kind of purposeful spending anymore that people used to do it's so just like oh I like that that's shiny I'm gonna get that click and now it's mine and and it's so easy to do and and marketers really bank on that you know oh, totally. so totally. It's like how can you bring some of that mindfulness back into your spending and like really bring that intention back into your spending and so another tip I'll give clients is like um delete your digital wallet so if you've got like Apple Pay set up on things or you've got your cards saved in Amazon like make it harder to um make it harder to spend so that like you, you can't, can't just, just click buy now you have to like actually go get your credit card and input the numbers and then that makes it a bit harder for you to just be like okay I want this now <laughs>
0: yeah no that's that's definitely a good strategy cuz you don't even feel like you're spending money you're just like oh here you go yeah um, i um i try to think about that when i'm like going out and about i try to take cash with me Instead of taking card, mm-hmm. because card kind of mm-hmm. feels like nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually take cash and be like, all right, this is costing me $20. Yeah. And, and it's not to make myself feel bad, but it's to be like, all right, you're actually spending this.
1: No, I love that. And that's another thing I'll recommend. I do like a seven day challenge. And that's one of the things for the seven days, I'll say, use only cash, because it really is like this tangible thing that you can feel and touch and you know, when you have it, and then you know, when it's gone, and you know how much you have left to spend. And I think that's so powerful, because everything is just like, you know, money is this, this like digital thing now. And it it, it can feel like, oh, this is nothing. I'm just going to swipe my card. So I think that's so smart to carry that cash because yeah, it helps you see like, okay, this tangible thing is leaving me now. Is this something I really want to spend the money on?
0: Right. Exactly. Well, and it'll be interesting to see if like, so, so many people don't use cash at all now. Mm-hmm. And They're talking about how, like, in the future, like, we'll be a cashless world. So that could get us into some trouble. We're like, we're going to have some type of, like, credit card chip inserted in our hand or something. (laughs) Be able to, like, go up and pay with that. That's going to be, that's going to get us into some trouble for sure.
1: I think so. You'll think about something and it'll show up at your doorstep from Amazon. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. We're going to be in such trouble then. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: I I was wondering about how after you go through with your clients and you go through like the mindfulness practices and getting to more a blissful life, how, or do you work with them on how they get their significant other on board with that, because that could be a interesting communication that they tried to make or like try to teach their significant other what they learned.
1: Yeah, I would say so. If they are living together, um, I'd recommend that I work with both of them together, but I understand that's hard. Um, but you mentioned the key word it's communication. And, um, if you are living with somebody, if you're partnered with someone and you're sharing finances and sharing expenses, communication is like the number one thing and having an understanding of like, okay, this is your fun money to spend. This is my fun money to spend. We can spend it however we want, but if we're going to spend more than X amount, a thousand dollars or whatever that number is for those two people, um, we're going to talk to each other and we're going to make sure this is an okay purchase. Um, what really helps for my husband and I, um, we have a family meeting every week and we go over our budget and we say like, okay, this is how much we've spent on eating out already this week. This is how much, you know, we have left, um, for this, you know, for entertainment or for, um, shopping or whatever, or for groceries. And so we're on the same page and we know like, okay, this is, this is where we are. Cause I think where, um, you know, where couples can really get in trouble is when they don't communicate about money and then they start to build resentment because they get to the end of the month and they're like, Oh, well we overspent here or we just overdrew our account. And, and then there's a lot of blame, but if you can get on the, at least like open that line of communication and make it, um, make it just a regular conversation and make it a conversation without emotion and it, cause it is just money. Mm-hmm. um, you know, that is such a big step. And then if you're not living with the person, if you're, you know, if this is a partner and you're dating and you just want them to be supportive of your own financial goals and maybe have that rub off on them again, just, just let them know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And like, Hey, I'm going to you know, try to be more intentional with my spending and let's not go out as much. Let's do more stuff at home or, you know, let's, go on a walk instead of like going out to a restaurant and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that can help too. And and oftentimes like, if you're just clear about what you're doing and why, and just ask for their support just say, I would, Mm -hmm. I would love you just to help support me in this and be in a a person who's in who I am accountable to like Mm -hmm. my accountability buddy, you know, then, um, you know, that I think that can be really powerful too.
0: Yeah. You could almost turn it around as from looking at it, being hard to communicate with to being like, Hey, like we're going to be accountable to each other, especially if you're living together, mm-hmm. of, we're going to make, we're going to work together on this. We're going to hold each other accountable to making sure we don't go over on our budget.
1: Yeah, definitely. And create the budget together too. Um, cause it, then it's not like, okay, well, I'm telling you what we're spending this month. It's mm-hmm. like, does this feel good for you? Does, you know, does this amount for your fun budget and my fun budget, like, does that sound good? And, you know, is $200 a month for us to eat out? Is that realistic? Or is that too much or too little? You know, if you do it together, then I find that that, you know, that helps. And it's something you're setting together. So it makes it easier for you both to be accountable to it.
0: Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to share that you really want people to know about money or anything about your business or how to connect with you?
1: Yeah. Um, So how to connect with me. I'm on Instagram. It's at budget blissful on Instagram because somebody took my name blissful budget. So I'll have to get that back from them. So it's at budget blissful on Instagram. I'm there. I'm more active there. I'm also on Facebook. Um, And then my website is blissfulbudget.com um I work with people for 90 days so I'll, I do a program that's 90 day program one-on-one with me if you're coupled I can work with both of you um, and then I also have a couple other like, fun offerings I do a 21 day challenge a couple of times a year there's one coming up in September September 23rd um, it's called 21 days to a blissful budget and it's a like each day there's a video lesson and a worksheet and then um, there's a Facebook group for support. It's really great to kind of kickstart both the mindfulness and and the practical aspects of budgeting and. Um, and so that starts September 23rd. And then I also do monthly new moon circles. Um, these are women's circles. And we focus each month with the new moon on setting intention around abundance and, you know, how we can incorporate abundance into into our lives and into that intention. For, um, but that's all on my website, too.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'll yeah. definitely have to link that so that people can check out what you do and all the great things you're doing. Um, And then I ask every guest I have on the show, and it is, what are you most proud of, of how you put your best foot forward in your relationship with money?
1: For me, I'm most proud of today is being really authentic and intentional with how I spend my money. So I've gotten really clear on like, what are the things in my life that bring me joy and bring me bliss? Um, and I feel like I'm really putting my best foot forward and supporting that with my, you know, with money and with my budget. And, um, It feels really good and feels really aligned once you get to that place and kind of shed what's not serving you anymore and and really focus on what
0: is. Awesome. I love that. I love hearing that. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I will put the info on how to connect with Rachel in the show notes, as well as how to connect with me on Instagram at Edwards. And most importantly, make sure you guys take the time to subscribe to the podcast so that you can get that little notification every Monday morning that a new episode is out. Thank you guys again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.